a lot of my projects have a similar aesthetic, a similar theme. Like I really like like the spirituality of technology. I'm not a religious person, but if technology was a religion, that would be my religion maybe because I just <laughs> I like that. I feel like there's magic to being able to create things with code and if there is anything like real life magic then it's being a developer i mean i could understand i mean that's crazy how we can you know deliver ones and zeros to a machine and it can do anything that you can program it to do like godman right. seems like a hell of a great name for someone who's you know crashing god and and admin together you know exactly hey you got that <laughs> yeah you're the root I master i wonder if people understand that <laughs> Yeah, you also called it a hell of an idea. So yeah, <laughs> you can really tie, tie <laughs> oh, it all together. I didn't get that. Yeah. yeah. Good one. <laughs> the boys got PhDs when it comes to talking about NFTs, and that's nifty. That's nifty. They come to this place to talk about the crypto space and that's nifty. That's nifty. That's nifty. Your hosts for tonight's podcast are Tyler, Larry, and Slime Sunday. Damn, that's nifty. Hello there. Is this Godman? Do you hear me? A little bit. It's kind of uh, atmospheric. Oh. Maybe a little reverb going on. Is that bad? Is it really bad? I'm I'm in an open place, like empty kitchen right now. <laughs> Let's go with it. Yeah, I like it. It's very atmospheric. I just moved <laughs> into a new house. <laughs> so I, I have nothing here, literally. <laughs> it kind of uh, sounds really cool, actually. <laughs> You're uh, in the void. Okay, cool. <laughs> So we have myself, well, Tyler, on, and then... Uh, and I'm Larry. Nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. So we were looking at um, some of your stuff, like heaven.computer. I love the website. The Windows 95 vibe is awesome. I'm glad you reached out. I think we just got connected through... Uh, somebody tagged us and saying, uh, I think you had a tweet looking for podcasts to go on. And we were like, yeah, of course, let's do it. Right. Yeah, because, we, well, you know, a lot of the things related to how successful a collection and NFT project becomes is how you promote it. And I feel like very uncomfortable with a lot of the promotion tactics that go around NFTs. But one that I actually really enjoy is doing these kinds of talks because I enjoy talking about the process and everything. So, you know, the more podcasts I can go on and chat the better and i really liked uh, that safety is that how it's called mm -hmm. yep yeah yeah i liked i like some of them um i listened to a few of the podcasts before and then i liked it so i was like yeah let's do it yeah, we appreciate that and I, I think too at the same time what we uh have kind of evolved into is like an outlet to for you know people creators like yourself to not shill promote, but explain and, and talk about their process and, and, you know, their creative flow in a way. So uh, mm -hmm. I would agree with you that a, a podcast is a good medium to kind of, you know, walk through what you're putting out there without feeling too pushy or shilly, yeah. if you were to put it that way. <laughs> yeah, very shilly. You can get sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so we were looking through your collection. It looks like uh, so far you've had two, right? And delivered on your own smart contract? Yes, correct. And I believe God Observer is the newest one, right? Yes, correct. The first one, um, it was called Ghost Software, but because it was like the, the genesis, the, the first collection, a lot of people kind of associated it with Heaven Computer itself. But actually Heaven Computer is, is like the whole project. And within this project, there are different collections, but yeah, Ghost Software and God Observer are part of having computer. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and are all of the projects that you're going to be releasing on Heaven Computer, is that all going to be about astrotheology? Uh, no. So 
the first one is not related to astronomy at all. The first one. So the idea was to, you know, develop like kind of like what, what we call like divination, which is, you know, this way of communicating with the supernatural or ghosts or God or whatever, but in a technological way. So I was thinking of exploring this kind of like tech mysticism with the, this, with the, the Heaven Computer project. So the first one is more, you know, like about how, you know, if you were to capture ghosts, how would they look like and using glitch art to express that. And the second one is more like if you were to, um, it's not about ghosts, it's about more like, that one is more focused on astronomy, like observing, you know, culturally and historically, observing the stars has always been kind of correlated with how some cultures perceive gods and stuff. So I thought it would be fun to do that in that interpretation, but using glitch art, just like the first collection, but they're not all gonna be within the theme, the theme of um, astrotheology or astronomy, but it just so happened that the second one is God Observer. Gotcha, gotcha. And I can't wait to break down both of those, but if we go back a little bit, when was the first inkling that you knew that you know, you were an artist or you were really into code and, you know, you could bridge these two things together to kind of, you know, make this awesome glitch art. Mm. I think since I started using computers um, because I, I wanted to code because I wanted to make art. So I remember the first websites I've seen, like when I was very young, like eight, seven I don't know I wanted to copy that I wanted to do that but I wanted because even before that I was I don't know I would have my journals that I would draw on them or you know make collages or also build like robots out of like old tech cables and stuff so I've always been like enjoying making things like very crafty in that sense and so when I started using computers I was like, I have to make something with it, not just use it. I have to make something with it. It just, yeah, it just came naturally to me. So, yeah, then I obviously as an early internet user, I wanted to make websites. And then at the time, these GeoCity websites were very popular. And because of that, there was also a lot of... uh, DIY uh, tutorials, like how to make your own like GeoCities page. And um, a lot of them had like, were very telling of the aesthetic of the time. Like for example, how to have like a, a trail of stars on your course or something. And on all of these, I like to incorporate to this aesthetic of having computer. I love that. Yeah, when you open up that website, um, well, the project itself really, it's not just a website. I love the loading screen that pops up. It's like reading what type of browser you're using and then Mm -hmm. serving up everything the way it should. And um, you can definitely tell that you've spent a lot of time like in the early internet. And I love how you're bridging that now into web three with like the MetaMask connection. And uh, you must've done a lot of like um, solidity training and stuff too, like learning how to code for blockchain technology. Yeah, that was... So, you know, regarding the front end, what you see is something that I have experienced for a really long time. But when I decided that I wanted like make NFTs and work with blockchain, it took me like, I don't know, a year or something of learning about it until I felt confident to make a smart contract. But that was like 2019. Wow. Uh, I think, yeah. So I think, I think if I were to do it now, I probably wouldn't have even bothered learning Solidity because I've learned about so many cool <laughs> tools that kind of replace all the hard work I had to put into it. Because especially like 2019, there was a lot of tutorials on like how to make um, ERC20, uh, which is like uh, fungible tokens for example, there was a lot of tutorials for that, but not a lot for NFTs because the, it was pre, pre the NFT hype that happened last year in 2020. So 
I had to, a lot of things I had to figure out the hard way because there was just not that many, that much information out there on the internet. Yeah, so I feel like nowadays it would, I wouldn't have to take a whole year to learn it. But <laughs> well, everyone everyone has their roots, right? You got to start somewhere, and I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't be where you are now without that. And so and, yeah, so like there's so many tools that you can even like deploy your own smart contract without having any knowledge of smart contracts. So I think that's that's really good for people that are not technologically very savvy, but. I also feel like, damn, I wasted a whole year just to learn that. I mean, I don't think I wasted because I did learn something, but I could have, you know, maybe launched my project a lot sooner. <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. There's also no rush in the space too. And, and just to the, the point of like you being, being sarcastic. <laughs> we're saying there, it feels rushed, but like from an artist perspective, like, and I guess from the collector side as well, like we would never want to pressure artists to have to, you know, stick to time. Oh, but but that's yeah. you're you're a nice person. But both people are like, when when this, when that, when this, you know. Yeah, W yeah, W E N. Yep. We're trying to change the culture here, you know. Yeah. Just when. No, we're not when guys for sure. But so like take us back to 2019. What was like the moment when you kind of like conceptualized the the technology behind the art or you know, just kind of bought into nfts as like a concept what was that process like for you when you kind of piece it together like this is something i should be pursuing uh, so i think i first well i obviously i've heard about cryptocurrencies for a long time and i've been wanting for an opportunity to get into it but i was a broke student i <laughs> couldn't save money so i always felt that it's like this unattainable thing and then when I learned about, I think it was 2018 that I learned about Crypto Kitties. Mm -hmm. And I thought, mm, that's interesting, but not, mm, I wasn't really sold on the concept. But, you know, I love generative art and I've always been very fascinated by it. It wasn't until I saw autoglyphs um, that I was sold because I saw like, oh, this is so cool. It's not just like, cartoon kitties it's actually it could be a tool for generate for generative art so i saw it seeing from that perspective autoglyphs is the one project that i saw that made me want to get into it so with generative art do you do you feel like it's just you as the artist or would you do you call the technology that you're using as well like a partner in that i use asking if i consider the technology to like if I would credit the technology for my art or if I would say it's my own creation. Uh, yeah, it's definitely your own creation, but do you feel like um, the technology like has kind of a life of its own? Like some of the stuff you're exploring, kind of like the ghost in the machine, it kind of, it makes me think about like the help that comes with the technology, you know? So, yeah, I mean, there are a few sides to it. You could say it's a collaborative effort between me and the person who coded the, the library that I'm using. So, for example, a lot of art blocks collections, are, they use P5. And P5 is a, library, a JavaScript library that kind of makes it very easy to make web um, generative art, web-based generative art. So I, I guess one could say... I didn't use P5 specifically, but I used a, a, a different library for 3D generation for the first collection. And I guess you could say there is this element of collaboration between me and the library itself, for example. But, you know, in the case of glitch art, a lot of it is left for chance or mm -hmm. how Glitch is like you take a file and you, you change its insides, this content, and make it act in ways it's not supposed to act. So it's a lot of how the enclosing technology will deal with that error, you know? Mm -hmm. So so there's that, the chance, the randomness aspect of it is also one element of that collaboration. And I think that's my favorite part of generative and more specifically glitch art. And so what was the time period when um, Heaven Computer was created? So you were, you were just looking at autoglyphs, realizing what NFTs kind of are. And then 
when does the website get built in? Like, were you, did you mint anything before the first collection? Yeah. So like I said, I was a poor student. So I have a friend that kind of like helped me out a bit and he gave me like some minor ETH in the beginning and I bought some stuff. It's super rare with my first wallet ever. (laughs) Um, But no, I didn't. Other than that, I didn't use a lot. I just I told myself like I'm gonna learn it very well before I actually put real money in it, like mm-hmm. to deploy a contract and stuff. So like from late, like mid 2019 until early 2020, I was just like learning, reading, doing like a consensus course, and then yeah, like around early 2020. I started like actually building it. Like I bought the domain for having computer. I started the first basic lines of code and stuff. So it took like, you know, from early 2020 until August, 2021, it's like, it was like almost 18 months or even more in the making for this project. Wow. That's awesome. I I truly think that the most of, of like, projects that do find success like that are are in no sarcasm here at all are are done tactically and patient like um understanding kind of what you're deploying understanding what you need behind it in terms of funds just to be able to actually but but if you think about it like it's a space also that is very obsessed with earliness right (laughs) so a lot of people that are for example influencers they might have a larger following than me and might be perceived as earlier than me but I've been studying this for way longer, but because I only appeared on the scene in August, 2021, people will think that's when I started, but you know, as a developer, the process starts way before that. And, yep. and also if you think how much the space has changed, like when I started planning for it in 20, early 2020, there was not a lot of adoption, uh, mass adoption. Nope. So I was also like thinking of like, how do we attract people to buy this and like that are tech like that are interested in tech but not really into nfts yet so i had to think of these things through but like in the meantime the you know culture kind of caught up and you know i remember when i was building it i started seeing like celebrities getting into it and i was like oh my god i'm already late because celebrities are getting into it so i'm late now (laughs) Yeah, but, see yeah. that the FOMO is on all sides for sure. And I'm sure you had to change your game plan multiple times as the space changed before you got yeah, it released. Exactly. Yeah, you know, just just because like well, so when I dropped, when I launched it, I, I because I spent so much time focused on the technology itself because I felt like paying attention to like what celebrities are doing, what it would be, I don't know, it'd be I, I decided to block out everything related to what was happening to NFTs culturally. Yes. So, you know, when I launched my project, it was like, I could tell you everything about Solidity and all the tools that you need to deploy a smart contract and create one. But I didn't know things like, what what is a rug pull? <laughs> 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 so that kind of became a meme in the in the community because I was very like, I, I didn't know what was a rug pull until I started being accused of one. And I'm like, what is even that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, you, you do want to stay naive to some of that stuff too, because like understanding the process and the time behind it and under in kind of mastering a craft, like it doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, for you taking you know 18 months to, to deploy a project that, I, I would consider it successful just looking at sheer volume. Uh, it's It speaks to what's behind it rather than what you're, you know, pushing out there or what celebrity might latch on or what like yeah. animal also, is being derived now. I feel like now. if I were paying attention to the culture instead of just focus on doing my own thing, I probably would have done like what a lot of projects are because in the end it becomes like this space is like one is a derivative of the other one and the one exactly. derives of Copycat the other it's like It's like this echo chamber like that kind of like no one you have to detach yourself a little bit from what's happening so you can have the idea that it's outside of the box because if I were paying attention to what's the next big thing I probably wouldn't come up with something that was 
you know, at the time people were like, wow, this is so different. This is so cool because there wasn't anything like it at the time. It was the first of it's many things like in, in glitch art and like the 3D art and the way that it was done. It was unlike anything that was being done at the time. And I feel like if I were seeing like, oh, world of women, this is what's selling out. So I need to make a vector art cartoon woman to be <laughs> successful. And yeah, that's how the, it goes. And then you see so many collections kind of like look almost interchangeable because it's hard when you see what's successful, it's hard to, you know, think of something other than that. Yeah. And I think uh, that's a product of a, a really immature, you know, this, this is something that's very new to a lot of people, I think. And I think as the space matures, I think more people will shift their focus into those projects that took their time, that built something, um, you know, worthwhile and not just tried to flame up to whatever the, the hot thing was at the moment. So I, I think that the space will definitely smile upon you um, over time because this is, this is the kind of stuff we look for in, in podcast guests, like people that actually build projects out and don't just like spit out whatever's cool. So we, we love that. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I hope so as well, because like, for example, this latest collection got observed. It's very like there's a lot of one one art that kind of looks like this and uses this technique, but there is no generative collection using these techniques and doing this, you know, how the way it's automated to make. And so I wanted to make something completely different, unlike anything that's being made. And I was, you know, hoping that that would resonate well with the space, but I keep forgetting that the space likes to go for the derivative of whatever is more popular now. So I'm always like never fitting the meta because I want to do something very different, but I forget that this space is actually kind of moved by metas. You know, there is a trend and whatever projects following that trend right now is going to be successful and everything else is, unless it's like a well-established, you know, board ape, whatever, it's not going to do so well. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping one day I might fit the right met. <laughs> and but you know, it's not like I'm trying to anyway. It's like it's almost silly that I'm complaining that I don't fit the trend when I intentionally <laughs> avoid fitting the trend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a real catch twenty two. You just pulling both sides of the rope. I do think though, when it comes to just actually talking about what you're what you're deploying and what you're putting out there this space it just like follows like the red ball it's like, like what's the new toy what's the what's the shiny red ball bouncing I, I gotta go chase that but like you need to unveil uh a lot of what's behind it and kind of see the inner workings and like like tyler said like this is what we like to do um so let's talk about ghost software. yeah so let's, yeah let's talk about that first collection like mm. like how that was created like what goes into it what and what comes out yeah, so it's like a 3D scene, right? And when you when you mint your NFT, this there is a a seed that is generated on mint, and that seed kind of automates the parameters that will, you know, create that scene. So from the colors to you know even like the animation that the quote unquote ghost will be doing. But the most interesting thing is actually the glitch effect. So what it does is it takes a raw 3D file that, you know, that we, the ghost image, the, the, the human-like figure, but in like, a, it takes its raw format and it kind of goes into the, the numbers that make up that file and randomly moves them around by, you know, depending on the seed that is generated when you mint. And that creates these very unexpected and sometimes like whimsical and funny effects because, you know, sometimes some of them have like very geometrical shape. Others have like a giant foot. Some <laughs> have like hanging limbs. And yeah, so that that was, that's, that was a source of a lot of laughter for a long time, just like observing these shapes and like making sense out of them. And, and we saw one sold for like four ETH or something recently. Oh, really? 
ba? I think so, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. I, I think that it, it, that really kind of, you know, lends a, a, a creative touch to just, you know, not just, you know, here are all the traits and attributes. It's, there, there's much more behind it than just 1,700 apes that are brown fur, you know what I mean? <laughs> or there's, you know, mm-hmm. pick, pick a project and, and pick a trait. Yeah, um, I think that's the thing, like glitch art allows for very unpredictable uh, traits, yep. which you, you can't even like put it on an open sea metadata like thing, because the, <laughs> some of them are unpredictable. How am I going to write that this, this one has a weird ass foot? Yeah, because and that's what's funny. Like, I, that's what I wanted to. That's why I really wanted to use glitch art because I also felt I feel like a lot of apes I cannot tell them apart <laughs> like no no offense but I know it's just... I'm laughing because it's just like who would have thought <laughs> like, that no. one day yeah, <laughs> so I thought, <laughs> I'm gonna be canceled by my ape community people anyway. I'm looking at the dancing <laughs> luminescent chrome woman right now number 472 and I just love looking through the properties like you were saying, like this one's dancing and uh, you have mm. the ghost skin shade and the ghost skeleton and the skin surface. And then what are these boosts down below? Uh, so I try to come up with a way to measure, for example, the the glitch in the ghost. And I think it's, uh, can you remind me what are the boosts again? I'm seeing film color corruption ghost distortion yeah. and temple mist yeah, so the ghost ghost dispo- distortion was supposed to be like uh, the the amount of glitchiness there is and i tried wow. to find an algorithm to measure it but it's hard because like 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 i said earlier it's it has some unpredictable results so sometimes you see one that have higher ghost corruption but are not so corrupted so yeah <laughs> that was that attempt to measure glitchiness and also the film color corruption is like the glitchiness of the colors of the image. So that's a big favorite. We don't do rarity at having computer, but if if there was a rarity system, that would be, well, I guess there is now because I'm saying it, but that, <laughs> that would be a highly coveted <laughs> trait. <laughs> yeah, we'll just pick that out. I know. <laughs> well, the thing is, they're all going to be really rare. I feel like there's yeah. so many. I mean, none of them are going to look even remotely similar. And even the descriptions, yeah. um, were those made as well, like based on what the traits were going to be and it built, built out a paragraph? Or like, how did you make those? Yeah. So for Go Software, the description I created, like, yeah, I wanted to create a paragraph that, you know, makes sense, that is like inspired by, you know, those daily, weekly horoscope that you see in magazines and stuff ah. so I wanted to create something like that but it's also the challenge was that it has to kind of make sense it has to read like a one thing but it's also pieced out by you know the many different traits so yeah I had to create like basically one tag one phrase for each trait and everything um, but for the second collection I got a bit lazier <laughs> and I just used GTP3 and anyway the the AI open AI um, thing that would generate the instructions. So I basically just typed in the first two sentences and let the AI type in the rest for me. Love that. <laughs> uh, but actually, it's really funny because it actually comes out with like some really funny. I don't know. The AI has some sense of humor. <laughs> I'll have to go in and read some of those descriptions. That's hilarious. Yeah, the God Observer <laughs> descriptions are super funny. And they sometimes like offer like instructions on what to do. Like, oh, send all your agricultural tools, like send help and like <laughs> burn this image. Like <laughs> poor AI is like in trouble. And, yeah. And you know what's what's funny? Sometimes they even use like bad words. There's one that is like so funny that was like, this is the best image I've ever seen. Just kidding. Drop this shit. Delete that shit. <laughs> the AI wrote that. Delete that shit. I'm like, okay, thanks for the rose. <laughs> but yeah. So that and you the... you released this on Heaven Computer, which is kind of like your own platform, right? You're not really 
OpenSea is obviously grabbing all of the the Ethereum NFTs out there, but you were running your own platform before. It seems like a lot of other people took that route. I kind of, I got inspired by art blocks. So Mm -hmm. um, actually for people who understand smart contracts, they might have noticed that my smart contract is very similar to that of art blocks, the first one. Because I really liked how, because I liked how they have like a platform and they would allow for different artists to drop their collections. So when I want to create something like that for me, so I can put all my different generative art collections. So I kind of, I like how they structured it and I took inspiration from that. Um, yeah, it's a, like to, because like I said, I, I really love generative art and I love creating code that can output endless combinations of art so I just thought like I'm gonna have this one contract and I'm gonna put all my collections within this theme of having computer in there to have this you know platform and in the end I want to create a collection that kind of combines them in one NFT so like you would combine all these techniques in one (laughs) yeah it's in the making it it really is intriguing how everything can be just built upon each other. So just looking at at God Observer like as a whole compared to your first project and first release where that was like an eighteen month process to figure everything out. God Observer, what was like the the time frame on like the idea, the concept, development, and then deployment? Was I'm assuming it was obviously a little bit quicker, but what was like the process going through the second uh, round? Yeah, so because the for the these 18 months also included you know like making the smart contract making the front end and everything for the website so that took a long a longer process but for god observer i i wanted to create not only the art but also a whole website within the website so if you click on if you go and have a computer and you click on god observer you will see that there is like almost like a website within that website so I played around with it. it. It's gathering data from NASA, right? Like you can go and look at the universe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, so crazy. it's crazy. I love it. To, to answer the question, like the first idea I had for this project was actually completely different because I wanted to use even more scientific data. It's just more like I wanted it to be entirely used with data. Now, now I use images. But the first idea would be to have it created entirely with data. But it gets a bit tricky to figure out how to credit, like attribute credit to data, <laughs> scientific data, because there's a lot of people that contribute to one data set. And some of it is like commercially available. Some of it is not. And it's, it's just like I got into this like royalty attribution rabbit hole and I was like okay this is too complicated what's easier images because these are more straightforward how to attribute credits for that and I didn't want to you know risk um, taking anyone's IP like or disrespecting anyone's intellectual property especially because NFTs has already such a bad reputation for it so I was like I might just ditch the data idea and just use images because those are most of them are like by the Hubble telescope and a lot of the Hubble telescope images are in the public domain anyway. So that makes it easier. But the ones that were not, I found a way to attribute them. But, you know, long story short, this whole process of figuring out that I could not use scientific data or whatever, (laughs) it took me like three months to figure out. So like the art itself took a long time because I had to reiterate a lot of stuff as new things were coming up. And yeah, in the end I settled for using a similar technique than what I initially wanted to do. But instead of using just purely data sets, I used images, but you know, image is a data, right? It's like an image file is a data. So, from thinking from that, I could still play around with it and glitch it. So by transforming the image file into like a data, raw data format, you can also play around with it as if it were, you know, raw scientific data as well. So yeah, and that's what I used to create the glitch art for this project, for this collection. 
And you did like a really long introduction. It's like a, it's almost like a scientific research article. Yeah. So that's, that's supposed to be like in, a little bit inspired by scientific articles, but also in the format, how you would see those Area 51 GeoCities website, because I don't know if it was like a, like a thing that was prevalent at the time, or if it's just like the corner of the internet that I would go around a lot. But I felt like GeoCities had a lot of this like pseudoscience kind of websites that they would write in an almost scientific tone, but still like it's like a personal website type by someone in their basement or something. It's not, but it has the scientific tone. So I don't know. I remember going to these websites a lot. And they would happen a lot on like Area 51 of GeoCities or they also had the space one that I forgot now. So like, I don't know if you remember, but GeoCities were like separate by areas. And yeah, so they had like one for space and one for sci-fi. And a lot of the, these websites had these like kind of scientific, but also very like freestyle way of just talking about science. So I wanted to parody that a little bit not parody because like it's everything very serious <laughs> yeah i mean it's definitely not parody i i was reading i was like oh my god this is real <laughs> yeah i mean some of it is actually scientifically accurate but a lot of, a lot of it is just like and i know i like sci-fi and i like art so i like the artistic freedom of i don't claim it's scientific at all it's just for fun <laughs> Yeah, I just want the listeners to know, like, you can go on OpenSea and look at the work, but you should definitely go to the website, and it feels like it's a part of a larger art project, right? You have two, like, exhibitions within it, but, like, heaven.computer is, like, I feel like your entire portfolio, kind of, in one. Mm -hmm. It's the engine. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going for, because I realized a lot of my projects have a similar aesthetic, a similar theme. Like I really like like the spirituality of technology. I'm not a religious person, but I am uh, if there was if technology was a religion, that would be my religion maybe because I just <laughs> I like that. I, I feel like there's magic to being able to create things with code and if there is anything like real life magic then it's being a developer so i mean i could understand i mean that's crazy how we can you know deliver ones and zeros to a machine and it can do anything that you can program it to do like godman I, seems like a hell of a great name for someone who's you know crashing god and an admin together you know exactly hey you got that <laughs> yeah you're the root I master i wonder if you understand that <laughs> Yeah, you also called it a hell of an idea. So yeah, <laughs> you can really tie, tie <laughs> no, it all together. I didn't get that. Yeah, yeah. good one. <laughs> so with the art that comes out for God Observatory, can you walk us through like um, the layers that are going into that, and like what are like some of the possibilities that people could see? Yeah. So for God Observer, how does that work? It can it uses like um, an image from NASA that is being fetched, not just from NASA, but most of them are. And it also uses a stock video that I wanted, that I randomly, that randomly gets selected based on like random archetypes. So I thought like, how are gods usually represented in, in certain cultures? Like, so some of them are represented with animals, others are represented with like archetypes of situations or emotions. So I wanted to like, just select a few, stock videos that could represent that. And then um, the technique behind this is like you turn both of them into raw data and kind of using the data from both you combine. So a video is made up of like both color, pixel and like, like image color data, but also motion data that kind of like the motion vectors that will like move these pixels and these colors around to create the motion that we see in the video. Mm -hmm. So I would combine the image, the color information from the NASA data with the motion from the stock video. So that like, just like 
crunch the data of these two videos together and create this glitchy output in order to you know represent what I think the image of a god would look like if we could capture it on a telescope. Mm -hmm. How does the God does Remixer sense? work? So I saw I saw the program on there as well called God Remixer, and I was wondering oh, yeah. about. I, I started playing around with it, and I was like, Oh my god, I don't know what any of these buttons do. <laughs> I don't know if those yeah. are even real names for stuff that you can do, or you made them up. That's how crazy it was. <laughs> so, so yeah, the God Remixer is inspired by a software that I used to use back in the day. It was actually a plugin for Photoshop, but now it's a standalone software, but I used it when it was a plugin for Photoshop. It's called Fits Liberator. It's this NASA application that they developed for translating space data into image. So if you have your personal telescope or if you get a telescope from your local university or something, you get raw data. You don't get the image the way you see it. And then this raw data, there's like a variety of ways in which the person can interpret and treat that data to generate the space image that you see generally on newspapers and magazines and stuff. So I remember when I found out about that, I was like very young, so I was very, you know, mind blown by it. And I was obsessed with just playing around with uh, telescope data and making it into astronomical images and yeah so because of that I played around with this Fitz Liberator software and it's not super straightforward like it's very scientific there's like at least it was back in the day um, now it's probably maybe a bit more straightforward I don't know I haven't used it in a long time but I remember there was a lot of having to figure it out and so I wanted to create an interface similar to that where yeah and so the names for example there's like chromatic kinematic um, these are just fancy scientific sounding words for what each track does oh like so color and motion yeah, exactly. I get it now. Oh, my God. It's all coming together. <laughs> yeah, it's just a fancy scientific sounding word. But yeah, it's basically like chromatic means like anything related to color. So if you go to the chromatic track, you can you will get the sound. You can, you know, play around with the sound that is being controlled by the colors of the image. So yeah, wow. so like the, the blue color is going to put like a specific sound red's going to put a specific other note and then you can you can play around with the envelope if you know a little bit of music production you know what the ADSR envelope is or like high pass filter low pass filter so yeah it's basically playing around with that track and then kinematic, for example, that's the motion vectors of the video. So it sees like oh, the image is moving up, left, right. And that also is automating another element of the music. So uh, I think uh, the kinematic automates the bass and like this shaker sound, for example. And then the third track is the chiaroscuro. That's an Italian word for light shadows it's used in art to to discuss like the contrast of light and shadows in image so i decided to use that word for the the light and shadows of the video so you know the light is making so every time the image beats on a lighter part it will play this snare sound or like a clap sound. And then every time it's on like a darker thing, it will play like a kick sound. Oh, and I got to play around the, with this some more. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> and the fourth one is like the edge detection. So it's basically like the outlines and that will create this harmony pad sound in like in the background, like a pad chord sound. And yeah, and then you can move how many particles you want so that you, how many particles would be making the sound. You can add effects to each of these tracks. So you can add like reverb. Uh, you could add like, uh, uh, I don't know, 
I forgot everything that I added out. But yeah, there's it's like I wanted to create like a I I make music with Ableton. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to create like a mini mini obviously anything not not even close to what all the functionalities of Ableton, but like we call these like digital audio workstation. So I wanted to create a mini digital work, work audio workstation. It's Ableton for Windows 95. <laughs> yeah, let's say that. And there's also, that's like the acoustic part, right? But there's also the optics part, because like I said, the sound is being generated by the image itself. So I also added some image editing too, so that you can also mess with the audio by messing with the image. So there's all these types of effects you can add to it. You can desaturate, you can add glitchy effects, you can add dithering, like all these cool image effects as well. And the idea is that after, like right now, if you go there, it says like trial version, right? Because you get the free trial version installed in your having computer OS. But (laughs) if you have a God Observer, you will in the future receive an airdrop with the full version, which is oh. like airdrops for having computer are CD-ROM. <laughs> right, so right. We had already a first one that was airdropped to the, to the holders of the first collection. And then for the second collection, there will also be a CD-ROM airdrop that will give you the full version of the God Remixer that will allow you to save and mint your remixed God that's Whoa. cool. Mint them too. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I think we're entering a time where like the interactive personal aspects of NFTs are like, it's going to need to be there in a way to where like a lot of people are just going to be like, Oh, I can't, I'm just going to get this picture here. You know, there's, I feel like the curiosity of the consumer has got to mature to the point where it's like uh, there are layers to this and now I can interact with it. And like, this is how to utilize the technology to its fullest in a way. Like, did you feel that while you were developing it in, in just kind of, you know, while you're continuing to create? I, I do feel this way because I always been the kind of person that loves to interact deeper, not just deeply, not just passively absorb. Like I've always been bored by television because it's not very interactive you know there's not much I can do other than changing channels so I've always been the kind of person that likes like like if I would go to a museum and there would be like an an installation or something that I can interact with it I would just be naturally drawn to it so I've always liked this kind of element of you know not just passively using technology but creating along with it so I don't know if it's my personal bias my personal experience or if I actually do sense that in general people are also more attracted to this kind of thing because I also I also think like the more for music making has the more available music making has become so like you know back in the day before you could have Ableton and Logic Pros on your computer and stuff, it was way more restricted who could actually produce and make a song. So, you know, the more technology advances and make this more available to a wider variety of people, like people that normally wouldn't have this kind of knowledge might, might be able to have. So I think also with that, a consequence could be that people expect to be more hands-on with the technology and music that they're consuming. Um, I don't know if that's an actual thing or if that's just my perception of how things go, but like I see, for example, Kanye West, he released this stamp player thing that is, you know, it kind of allows you to like remix his Donda two tracks also, which I don't know. It's like you're not obviously you're not collabing with Kanye, but it kind of gives you that feeling that you could be, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I that's right think in line right. with what you were saying, right? It's like right? culture is moving in that direction where that's the next step logically, right? Where you feel like you that, are so, a part of it. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking for the future of music. I think the if I had to guess what music will look like in the future, it would be 
very interactive. People will be able, I don't know, people instead of buying CDs from an artist, they will buy stems and DIY mm -hmm. their own songs. That's how I, in my wild dream, it would look like. But like I'm saying, I don't know if it's me because that's something I'm personally interested in or if that's where I really see culture moving. It could be both. I think it's both. I think it's both. And like, I think for a lot of people to just conceptualize like what, you know, NFTs are in a way, it's just like there is only there's that first layer. But once you get past it, there's so many different stems that you can kind of navigate and, and look down and whether it's, you know, no matter the medium, whether it's just pure art, whether it's generative, generative art, whether it's music, whether it's poetry, whatever it is. Like there's so many routes that you can go down and it only comes with time when like these ideas are actually acted on, like for people like yourself and then people that are seeking them to discover them from a consumer perspective. And it's just another matter of time. I think we think of the space in like five, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, not just like, you know, October, if that makes mm. sense. I think we kind of saw that. I had that mindset early on so uh, i like these ideas that you're explaining don't i don't think seem foreign to us necessarily and it just almost seems like inevitable in a way yeah cool some yeah, because sometimes you know obviously everyone speaks from their own experience and from their own so yeah and i think i try not to attribute to everyone what i would like what i would appreciate but that's you know that's just the concept that makes me so excited to and I love to be building using that concept in mind because I see yeah I also see the potential and, and when you were releasing those um two projects how did you get the word out to people um were you doing podcasts like this or like um how did you yeah, initially so, reach your collectors you got a nice so, like discord base too it's just like it, it, you can tell that you've been diligent to make sure you're covering all their all your avenues uh, yeah well yeah well like i think i mentioned in the beginning that i'm a bit uncomfortable with a lot of the marketing tactics in nft so you know i've actively avoided giveaways and yeah stuff like that so for the first collection i was i didn't have to do much actually i just told my friend I had like one friend in crypto before that. <laughs> and then I just told that one friend, I said like, show this on your Telegram groups. <laughs> no way, it, really? Yeah, and then it kind of went from there. He posted on one Telegram group and then it just, five hours later, it was sold out. <laughs> wow, and how many pieces was that in um, the first one? Seven. I, 7,777. <laughs> That's a very good a friend, time. by the way. That's a very good he, friend. He's excellent. I always give him a shout out. His name is Dish. Actually, people were thinking I was him because he gave me five Ethereum to deploy the contract. And then everyone would say I am his account, but I'm not. Like, we're separate people. And I gave him back this five Ethereum, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and what's his name? Dish. He's he's you can look at his collection in OpenSea. He's got a badass collection. He's really good collector. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, he's he put it on a few telegram groups and then it sold out. But like that was also a time when anything was kind of selling out. Yeah. So. And it says a lot about <laughs> the God Observer project when because when did that come out? Because NFTs haven't been hot for a little while. Yeah, so it came out recently, like I've been making this for like, since actively working on this since at least December last year. So it's been a long time. And also in these six months, also a lot of things have changed in NFTs, even though six months is nothing in the greed scheme of things, it's a lot in NFTs. And yeah, it's a different time now than it was when I started working on it, but so it hasn't sold out yet and and like i said i'm also actively avoiding certain tactics which make it <laughs> kind of hard for me because i guess obviously it could sell out a lot faster if i just played with the algorithm and everything there but um yeah i want to keep it organic i want to be able to say that having a computer is the only one of the few if not the only 
truly organically promoted project. Yeah. I don't know if you can say what I'm doing here is organic, but it's it's <laughs> genuine. I never I, paid an much. influencer to promote anything. So, <laughs> but yeah, but that's it. Just it's what happens is I feel. Yeah, sometimes I don't know if it's a justified fear or if it's just unbased paranoia. But sometimes I feel like it might be that I'm being a bit like sh actively shunned or like ignored. For example, when there was the whole female-led project matter, my project was never mentioned in any of those lists, like never. And I mean, it doesn't get any more female led than a project entirely created by one woman, you know? Yeah. But still, like, they're like, for some reason, it didn't apply, maybe because they were not female only characters or whatever. So I don't know if it's because it just didn't have female characters or if it's because influencers are like, no, she's not going to pay us and so put her on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't so, realize I didn't there's still some left. Like, um, how many are we talking, and and what's the price? I I didn't connect yeah, my MetaMask so yet. The total the total supply is three three thousand three hundred thirty four, and I don't know how many I've been minted because I don't know. I stopped looking when I realized it slowed down, and I was just like, you know, just let it go with the flow and it sell out. I like that. Yeah. God wants it to sell out as it's God's will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally, I think it's just a net like I feel like we were here last year at this point, too, in a way, or it slowed down a little. It yeah. was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was the it was the massive pump first like quarter through April, and then it just it, Crickets like it died in the down. summertime, yeah, and then it picked back up. And like, it's just, I just feel like there's natural cycles that we haven't been exposed to because this is just so new. And you know, yeah. uh, there's the, 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 the crypto side to it where like. We were you new know, to that too. Yeah. Like crypto was something we just got into in what late 2020. Because we were buying NFTs. Yeah. And and solely for that reason. And when ETH was like four hundred dollars and like that was an accidental good investment because we were just <laughs> buying stuff that we liked. But I think it speaks to like, you know, like the passion project, the the genuine nature to what you're doing and putting out there. I, like that's exactly kind of how I feel like we collect. Like understanding what's behind and not just, you know, day trading animal pictures, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But then, yeah. So in one hand, I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit disappointed with myself for like, you know, taking my time to create this and actually deploying it during a bearish kind of NFT market. But at the same time, I can say that I put out something that I'm proud of because what, what is on the blockchain is going to live forever there. So I don't want to put out garbage because I want to be able to look back into it 20 years from now, just like I look back into my old websites that I used to make and enjoy it and like be like, wow, I did this and that's cool yeah. and be proud of it instead of being like, what, what the fuck was this crash grab that I did here? Seriously. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like that's a Sorry good way for to... the bad way. No, no, no we could say whatever we want on here. It's fucking fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think like, like that's like a part of the mental side too, where it's like you, you can't, I, I feel like you would lose part of yourself if you were to like go out of what you feel like is, you know, how you would naturally go about things while navigating this space. And it's just like, you know, there's no point to selling out. It's just be who you are. And this space provides the ability to kind of make your own decisions without being bound to anything. So you can make second guesses. We've made second guesses on ourselves numerous times. So it's like, it's just part of it and part of learning. And like, without being here at this time, you would have never learned from it. So I really think the genuineness is like, that's what comes across the most, like in this space, like projects that you can really believe in where you don't feel like someone's scamming you in a way, you know, where it's just like, I do this on my own terms. It's that that's part of making the art. I think too, it's like when you're driven by other stuff, it's not exactly how, how it should have came out, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys are like-minded people. You sometimes feel like in NFTs. Um, I've also, you know, the, you know, the overwhelmingly majority of the reception from of 
we're having computer has been positive and people like it, people appreciate the effort. But then every once in a while you see some people being like, oh, I lost money on that project. And then I'm like, you know, it kind of hurts a little bit. But then again, I know I never promised anyone financial gains. Like yep. I do promise that I will, one thing I can say is that I will not stop creating for as long as this brain of mine works because it's just it's just natural to me it's just who I am and for as long as I'm creating for as long as I'm making stuff who knows I could one day become very successful and then you know it'll moon <laughs> finally yeah. for the when moon people when Lambo when moon <laughs> but it's not a promise you know I cannot I'm not gonna say like we will reach this at this floor by December because like <laughs> And I think actually if I would should I would say that's a bit of a red flag for any project because yep. even yep. if they hustle very hard, they do whatever they can, you cannot predict the market fluctuation. So red no, flag every time a project promises the floor this amount. What yeah. I can promise is that might always be creating never stop because like I'm a very resilient person. So let's just keep going. Even if like now, you know, I'm a bit disappointed sometimes with the speed of the sales, but also on the other hand, I know this is a tough market condition and I'm, there's so much more room for growth, not just for myself and my project, but also for NFTs and crypto as a whole. So I'm like, I'm not going to let that stop me, you know, and I'm still very bullish in the, in the grand picture of things. I think that's how I feel as well. We're like, we're bullish overall. I think NFTs will uh, have it stay in the sun again, and it'll be used in a lot of different ways we don't even know about yet. You know, and like how we're feeling in the market right now is due to a lot of outside stuff going on in the world and like at a, a macro level. But um, what, what do you have on the horizon? I know you're always creating stuff. Like, is there anything you can talk about that you're, you're, in progress well, i don't know if i can talk about it yet but um yeah like i might i don't i don't want to say anything <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to that was a trick that was a podcast but i just want to say yeah i just want to say like yes, i will be creating in web3 for for the foreseeable future so you'll see more of me and sometimes and hopefully in a bigger space soon that's yeah. all i can say yeah, you you I mean, you dedicated the life span of your brain verbally over this podcast which will be released which is basically signing a contract. So, <laughs> in, in, yeah. So one floor 5 ETH should never be on anyone's roadmap ever. But um no, I I I truly think that um that sentiment that you're pushing in in the creative the relentless like creativeness to where you know, finding people in this space with conviction, the when people just eventually get weeded out because they're just not, you know, planning to be here at that point. So I totally agree. We're we're on the same page and, and that's exactly the type of, you know, mission statement or whatever you want to say you could put out to the your collector base. And yeah, uh, I commend you for it because I know it's, it's, it's got to be mentally hard to do. It's mentally hard on both sides just to, you know, see things go up, see things go down and think of what could have been, but all you can do is, is continue to kind of, you know, persist and create. So yeah. I commend you for that. I, I understand the sides of collectors that also, you know, I don't like, I'm not like this super, like, I don't want no one to, I don't want ever anyone to profit off my project. Like I'm not super opposed to it. I'm not that anti capitalism in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but so I do understand the size of, of the collectors, but I never want to I want to I I will obviously work my hardest as I have been to, you know, be successful, but I don't want to just be successful by, you know, the amount of ETH in my wallet. I wanna also build a, a legacy, a reputation in this space. Like I wanna I'm, if I made it for the long term, I'm not. I don't want to be known as someone shilly. I want to be known as someone, <laughs> you know, hardworking as someone 
that learns fast and someone that you know is constantly putting out good stuff you know and that's what I'm working for and that doesn't gain give a lot of like short-term gains to be honest because reputation builds long-term yep but yeah you will see i'll still be around <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, how about we just have like we'll, just like a six-month check-in yeah we'll, we'll see where we are in sure six we're, months. We're, we're both just we're, we're still here you know i exactly yeah we'll I, have I, another I, podcast i i i can hear it in your voice your conviction and and i know you know we're not going anywhere so that's good to hear. No, and this has been a, this has been an awesome chat. These are some of our favorite podcasts where yeah. people are like utilizing the technology to the fullest extent yeah. while creating really cool art. Like, you know, technology aside, we we love those episodes as well, where like people dive into the smart contract side and the coding part, and you just seem so well rounded. And I just I love what you're making. I'm really excited about it. Thank you. It's been a very nice chat. You guys did a great interviewers, and thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We try to make everybody feel comfortable. Yeah, and I, I, honestly, the uh, the room you're in really settled in nice. I'm, I'm gonna say the sound effects gonna come out really good. I think, especially <laughs> right? like Godman. Uh, you know? Exactly, it sounds more godly. Yes, <laughs> I love it. It's like, well, where are you? Don't. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> so this will come out. Um, yeah, <laughs> this will come out on uh, Monday. Oh, cool. So we'll be sure to tag you Happy on Twitter. Monday, and Yes. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate your time. Uh, can't wait to uh, continue checking up on Heaven Computer. Cool. Thanks a lot for this chat. Yeah. Thanks, Godman. Thanks, nice Tyler and Larry. Yep. Bye. Nice to meet you. You as well. Bye. Bye. Damn, that's nifty. That's a nifty, that's NFT. That's nifty, that's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. Before his fears, he leaked a plan. Exula worked on Iron Man. How cool is that? Mad Dog Jones, the dude so fine, he hand draws every single line. I sure as hell didn't know that. Fuck Render built a gallery to raise new artist popularity. What a guy. Yeah, man, he's a good guy. Too much lag like a nomad, all his belongings in a single bag. All these things, can't you see? I learned all that's NFT. That's NFT. That's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty, that's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty, that's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. That's nifty, that's NFT. That's a nifty, nifty NFT. Damn, that's a nifty NFT.